0: Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey everybody, welcome to Lime Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, I'm the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and... This is Dr. Nusheen Darvish, and I'm the co-host with Dr. Pat. Yeah, two of us decided we were finally going to team up (laughs) and take some of the conversation that we have been having over the past 10 plus years to the forefront. And there's a reason for it. Today's show is all about that. You know, it's about taking a step back for a moment and look at where we've been and why we decided, well, not why we decided, and what we're planning to do with Lime Talk Radio. You know, what are the issues? What are the truth involved with this? And what are some of the stories and the journeys uh, along the way? You know, Dr. Darvish, it's so great to be doing this with you because you and I spend time uh, talking about, and we have done this over the past 10 years, talking about the state of affairs in the Lyme community and Lyme disease itself. You know, I wanna, let, let's talk about this from your perspective for a minute if we could. You know, what has this been like? for you over the past, let's say, 10 plus years in your practice, in what you've discovered and learned about Lyme disease, uh, especially given that, you know, we live in a state that I think up until recently, or maybe even recently, doesn't really believe Lyme disease exists there.
2: You know, first of all, Pat, I'm so excited to be doing this with you. (laughs) I think we've got quite a lot, uh, not only to share with each other and with the community out there, but also for all of us to learn and continue to learn and hopefully make an impact in transforming uh, lives from within. So. You know, I think back around 25 years ago when I was in medical school, I got a one-line or maybe two lines in one of the textbooks in one of the classes about Lyme disease. And it was regarded to be so rare that we didn't even, you know, speak anything about it. And we kind of just brushed over it and moved on to things like HIV. And now we're realizing that... Lyme disease is six times more prevalent than HIV disease is. So you think back and say, what were we thinking 25 years ago teaching students in medical school and still today? Then I look back and I see that when I, once I started practicing, I um, would come across Lyme disease in terms of just my intuition picking up An infection like Lyme in some of my chronic neurological patients and some of my patients who are suffering with fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis and depression and bipolar and even cancer. And I would think back, and I say, "Huh, that's supposed to be rare." That's what I was thought. So I would just brush over it, just like they had in medical school. So I didn't pay attention to it, even though my intuition kind of said there is some infection going on here that you need to pay attention to. But my mind, which had been taught the Western medicine, had said, "No, there is no such thing because it's really, really rare." So as time went on, I realized that I was coming across this more and more, and I finally decided to listen to my intuition and pursue looking into what Lyme disease meant, what it was, where did it come from, and who does it affect, and what does it affect, how does it affect these people and patients and our society. And so it's taken me through a journey of um, learning and continue to learn and uh, become more open to accepting and acknowledging what is out there, not only in terms of disease processes that are going on, but also what treatment options and what diagnostic options are available to evaluate and help people who are suffering from severe diseases like multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis or Parkinson's and dementia and neurological diseases, chronic pain and cancer. Yes. So I've gone through this journey and now I am learning more about the relationship of what Lyme disease is uh, and cancer which is hardly even talked about and nobody even looks at. So it's it's made me really grow as a person and as a physician, and it has also been very, very satisfying because I have seen transformations happen with people, and uh, they've taught me and I've taught patients quite a bit in, mm. in becoming who they want to become and... Um, becoming active in their lives in their communities and really watching that amazing transformation that happens with these people
0: through these people it's just it's just been really amazing and powerful yeah. yeah and that's what you and I were going to really bring to the forefront here as well is you know not only are we going to be sharing you know what has changed where were we uh, what have we learned? Where are we today, and where are we going? But we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna actually we're gonna take a, a walk on the wild side here for a little bit because you know beyond all of this, Dr. Darvish and I are also putting together the Limelight, and you know we have Limelight's website, and you'll see things start to change and emerge because I think what you said, Dr. Darvish, is really fascinating and important. You know there are people out there now that are have been out there talking about what their journey has been like. You know, where were we in 1995? You know, why is it that a woman, Linda Oley, a registered nurse from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, devastating effects over 30 years, went without the proper diagnosis, treatment for 20 years, yet through her suffering, she's been able to remain hopeful, right? You know, she helps other people now. You know, living with Lyme, Lyme helps them find hope. And she came out in an interview and said, I just want the public to be aware that there is help and there is hope and to seek that. And that's really, you know, for you and I, you know, that is really the place now that we really come to the forefront. Both of us have, have been out in the public speaking. Uh, I went back and I, and, I was, and I was, we were trying to figure out when the first show was that you and I actually did that talked about Lyme disease, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it went back to like something like 2006 and in, you know, people say 2006, well, think about it. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. Definitely a while ago. Things have changed so much since. Right. You know. Let's talk about this in terms of, you know, what we've discovered along the way. And what I mean by that is, let's take a look at some of the, the changes, you know, some of the statistics. What do you think, Dr. Darvish, about the fact that the CDC had come out, uh, you know, what was it, about a year ago and said, oopsie, doesn't look like we've made the right, uh, we, doesn't, doesn't look like we gave the uh, right, right numbers, we'd like to make an adjustment.
2: Well, you know, it's very interesting because I was looking at 1995. You mentioned 1995. Yeah. So I went back and looked at CDC report on 1995, and they reported that they had found Lyme in 43 states and that the prevalence was around 12,000 cases in the whole United States. By 2000, the prevalence had gone up to about 18,000 Uh, cases in U.S. And now it's over 300,000 cases in U.S. And keep in mind that the laboratory testing um, that the CDC is depending upon for some of these statistics is very inaccurate. So in other words, they're missing a lot. There's a lot of false negatives. So even with the number of false negatives, we are still getting over 300 cases being uh, diagnosed officially by doctors so this is this is just amazing and and you know still the CDC has uh, not really identified Lyme disease in certain states uh, like Washington Mm -hmm. Um, and yet it's prevalent I practice here in Washington in Seattle and I can tell you that more than half of my practice is Lyme disease patients. Mm-hmm.
0: And so yeah. you wonder where are these people coming from? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you, know? You, do. But, you know, they're but, not all coming from New Jersey, right? <laughs> no,
2: and bugs don't... Um, they, they don 't understand boundaries they don 't stay in a state or in a country <laughs> you know they they go cross boundaries these human boundaries that we have created they cross these boundaries so Lyme and its associated infections and conditions is prevalent in every state in North America,
0: yeah. You know, let's do this. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to give you some basic information about Lyme disease if you don't have it already. And the reason that we're going to do this is because, you know, as we move forward with the show, you know, we're really planning an amazing time for all of you, you know, combined with opportunities for you to participate, share your story uh, and contribute in your own way. And so this is really very exciting for us to take a look at how we can be of service And it really is in the spirit that I shared with everybody earlier about, you know, it is in that in in that moment of support and hope that this amazing woman, you know, says that, look, the only thing that makes sense out of pain and suffering is to be able to give back. That's what Linda says. So when her career as a parish nurse ended, God nudged her to start a local support group where in Harrisburg. And that brought meaning and purpose to her life and her experience. So many of us. So many of us have had that same experience where we've been called to offer more. We'll you know, we're gonna take a short break. I'm Dr. Pat Bacilli, joined by my fabulous co host, Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
1: Put a little woohoo in your life with Keys. Keys Clear Protein Waters have 22 grams of smile-making, attitude-adjusting protein in every bottle. Did I mention its tongue-tingling taste? Not just another guilty pleasure. With Keys, you'll enjoy every low-sugar sip and freedom from gluten, lactose, and GMOs. Who needs the fountain of youth when you can find keys on Amazon or at Keys K-E-E-S please.com. Put a little woohoo in your attitude with Keys Protein Water.
3: Hi, I'm Leslie Fontaine with Sheer Alchemy on Transformation Talk Radio, and here's your tip for the day. What is abundance? It isn't the same to all of us. So, what's your personal gold? Is it the full expression of yourself in business, or in love, or in the creation of a book or product? or the service you offer, all of the above. When we step into allowing our joy that corresponds with our essence, we are literally coming out of the closet and making new choices. We look and sound different. We don't even talk about the same things anymore. We have a new spark. So wouldn't it make sense that it causes ripples and earthquakes around us? When you shift, you affect everyone around you. You're teaching people to step into all that they are and they will come to you and say, what have you done? What makes you different? Join me on Sheer Alchemy on Transformation Talk Radio and let's go deep with your abundance.
2: This is Dr. Nushin Darvish,
0: and I am joining you with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Papasili. Hey, everybody. It's great for both of us to be teaming up and, and connecting with all of you. And this is uh, Lime know,
2: Talk Radio.
0: Lime Talk Radio. Yeah, lots to come from mm-hmm. us in the weeks, months, and years to come, because this is a really very important conversation. You know, Dr. Darvish, we talked a little bit about where we were in 1995. You know, and and for many people, 1995 uh, presented you know interesting information. Why do you think that this started to come to the forefront? You know, e- albeit slightly to the forefront back then. What what do you think has contributed to the major change of slightly to the forefront? 95, but here we are now, right? Fifteen, twenty years later. You what's know, changed?
2: I changed. Really, I really think that it's people. Um, people with chronic diseases and things, you know, things like autoimmune diseases and fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. I mean, if you look back in to 1995, there was hardly any chronic fatigue that was diagnosed. And then I remember way back then they were just coming up with this catch-all term, the kitchen sink term called f- chronic fatigue, and then they added the second one, which was fibromyalgia, which was the catch-all term for people suffering with pain with unknown cause. So, and people would go to the doctor and still do today and be put on antidepressants and pain medications, and I think really people got very, very tired, very tired of being prescribed pain medications and antidepressants and not knowing why they're so tired and not knowing why are they in so much pain. So the demand was there. And then at the same time, the rise in um, you know things like multiple sclerosis, MS, and um, some of these neurological diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and rheumatoid arthritis and um, Lupus and all of these autoimmune conditions. Why? Why the rise?
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about what the rise is. And, you know, this is fascinating because, you know, I started to look at this uh, not too long ago. And, you know, what we have right now are organizations right out there. We have, um, first of all, we have uh, the AARDA, the Autoimmune American Autoimmune Related Disease Association. Then we have the Autoimmune Research Organization. So what's happening is that people are discovering. That they are invisible in the world of health and healing and wellness. That's what they're discovering. And they're discovering of uh, that they can do something about it. So for example, Dr. Darvish, this autoimmune, this autoimmune research.org, right, is a foundation whose charity is about educational efforts, f- focused on health professionals, the public to understand the cause of chronic inflammation disease. And and then this organization goes on and here's what's changed, right? You ready? And it mm-hmm. says many autoimmune conditions, including fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, like you said, MS, chronic fatigue, post-treatment, Lyme disease, We there's a name for this now, PTLDS, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, are succumbing to therapies based on some level of treatment. Many not based on the molecular description of the disease, but based on either a pill, potion, or lotion that mimics some kind of cure. Uh, Is it because we don't know how to actually get at the bottom of this or is it because we're not willing to recognize that there are multiple layers in quote an autoimmune disease, in Lyme disease, right? I I, I think that, you know, PTLDS, right? Post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, you know, that there are many layers of this that a pill or a potion is not going to take care of. Definitely
2: not. And, you know, a lot of these chronic diseases teach us there's a purpose for these diseases. And I think, you know, Lyme disease being um, one of the things that we are looking at from our perspective, but there are multiple other conditions and all of these conditions are interrelated. Um, And, you know, it we are so such human beings that we get stuck in our own ways. We are very stubborn as humans. We are very egotistical as humans, and we always believe that we are always right as humans. And so we rarely, or I should say it's not very common that you find people stepping out of the box and saying, questioning things and saying, Hey, what about this what about lyme disease being a major cause of things like fibromyalgia what about mycoplasma being a major cause of fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue what about all of these chronic infections being a cause of cancer you know so it takes few people and those people are the brilliant the geniuses and they're the ones that are very humble and unfortunately go through a lot of martyrdom in many senses they're uh living martyrs in this world sacrificing their own well-being for the wellness of others yeah in in finding and promoting the root cause of some of these conditions in order to help society become a better place for all of us, in order for humans to become healthier and to be able to serve uh, others and um, in order for civilization
0: to continue to advance. You know this int- let's talk about this for a minute because let's talk about detection for a moment. And I think this is really kind of eye-opening for those people out there, you know, if you're anything like most people walking around, you don't even remember, right? You don't even remember you, you know, you don't remember that a tick actually bit you. You know, because first of all, if you are if if you did get a tick bite, you know, I I grew up in New Jersey, right? You know, if you did get a tick bite, probably it was coupled by about 25 mosquito bites. So by the time you were done, it was pretty difficult to tell which was the mosquito bite, which was the tick bite. But the point is that, you know, whether or not you can tell you've been bitten, there are signs and symptoms now that we know. You know, many of us can point back to a specific event or how we felt or what happened at that. But let's get to the test for a minute. You know, there is the test. Let me just let me I know you're going to laugh a little bit, but there is the test. And who decides the test? The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, right? And so the, they come out and they and there is this test. And let's talk about the test. And then let's talk about why there's some levels of reliability, if not a lot of levels of reliability, unreliability, But there's this test in some states, and I know Susan Green travels around, Dr. Darvish, she's an attorney, and she goes to states and she says, wait, it cannot be illegal for somebody to request the test. But let's talk about the test and what we've learned.
2: Well, first of all, you know, this bacteria itself is uh, very smart, as is its own um, what we call co-infections, the bacteria and other parasites and viruses that accompany um, this particular Lyme bacteria, Borrelia. By the way, which um, now they're finding multiple strains of Borrelia. Anyhow, these bacteria are very, very smart They create little cocoons around themselves. We call them biofilms. They hide within the white cells. They hide in tissues like in your jaw uh, where it doesn't cause necessarily any pain or uh, signs of infection. Yet, they are able to multiply and kind of crawl into the nervous system over time when they're undetected They fool the immune system, they fool the nervous system, and they start throwing havoc into the body and causing all sorts of symptoms. You know, initially, we were looking at the rash, the bullseye rash, as being the symptom, the initial symptom of Lyme disease. Well, now we know that less than 5% of people who actually have Lyme disease Get the bullseye rash. And the people that do get the bullseye rash, this is their second exposure to Lyme. It's not their first exposure to Lyme disease. Right. Right. So you get this very smart bug creating itself a house, hiding from the immune system, and as a result, hiding from laboratory tests. Now, the one thing that this this bacteria also does is that it suppresses the body's immune system. it suppresses your body's white cells or what we call the natural killer cells. And these tests depend on a good strong immune system. so what they're doing these that our diagnostic tests are detecting yep. how well your body's army is responding to an infection we 're not actually looking at detecting the infection because it's hard to find that infection we're looking at the body's reaction to that infection well, if you have a weakened immune system as a result of this actual infection then you're also not going to have a positive mm-hmm. test because the the test is not picking up a very active immune system
0: mm-hmm.
2: right yeah. so we get a lot of false negatives coming through, Um, difficult, very difficult to test for these infections. There is a couple of uh, laboratories nationwide that have focused in building their technology and they're getting better at detecting some of these infections, but they're not well-known for you know, most doctors don't know about these laboratories, so they don't send samples to these laboratories to be tested. Only the doctors that have actually taken the step out of their busy schedules to self educate and go to some of these uh, conferences to learn about Lyme disease and its detection actually get a chance to possibly send samples to these laboratories for testing. But the yeah. local laboratories often miss it there is there's a high rate of false negatives detected by the current laboratories and so I get patients that come in and um, and they've had Lyme testing that's negative 10 years ago five years ago and even recently and they're still sick and not only just sick they're sicker than they were 10, 15 years ago, and they're on all these pain medications and all these antidepressants and all these different uh, cortisone uh, injections and uh, biological medications. Uh, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. right? I mean, there's and a list. The list, Because what we're talking about here is, you know, a lot of folks are being treated for, what did we talk about before? The, the, the wide range of autoimmune disease, you know, that's out there. You know, they're being treated for categories. And by the way, you know, the autoimmune disease and the industry supporting it, the estimate is that the NIH estimates 23.5 million Americans suffer from autoimmune disease. The Autoimmune uh, Related Disease Association says, nope, it's about 50 million Americans. Why? Because the categories don't even capture it all. And so we're and so if you're in that space, right, Dr. Darvish, if you're in one of those categories, one of those diseases, there is a traditional protocol that insurance companies will pay for for that, and that's what happens. We go through and we get the protocol Whether and a lot of it has to do with drugs, pharmaceuticals, and we're giving it to folks, and the symptoms get a little better, but interesting a lot of times the inflammation levels don't go down, right? Don't you think that's a little strange?
2: And then, exactly. And, you know, I the numbers are much higher than that, and I can tell yeah. you that because I have seen more patients today than I did 10 years ago with Hashimoto's. And I don't know yes. if you're familiar with what Hashimoto's yep. is. It's an autoimmune thyroid condition. Yep. And it doesn't mean that you have a thyroid disease in terms of, Uh, the hormones being off in your thyroid level. So, you know, this goes very much undetected commonly because most doctors are just looking at one or two thyroid hormones and do not check for thyroid antibodies. And yet, when you do start looking at the thyroid antibodies, you do see that their body is producing antibodies against the thyroid medication or thyroid gland. So at this point, it's no longer a thyroid condition. It's an immune dis- condition. It's a, an immune disorder. And some things causing the immune system to go haywire in order to react to its own thyroid. And so these ones, you know, people with Hashimoto's, I'm not reporting it to the CDC. I'm not reporting it to the autoimmune associations because... From a Western medical perspective, there is really no treatment for Hashimoto's, no treatment for th- an autoimmune thyroid problem. So why would I report anything?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And let's just, uh, let's just we're going to go to break, but before we do, here's a few things to think about, right? First of all, one of the things to think about, maybe Dr. Darvish, you can, you can talk about it when we come back. Um, women uh, in particular in the autoimmune community, It is a major women's health issue. Uh, Out of the 50 million Americans that have been projected, you know, focusing with autoimmune disease, it is also stated 75% of them are women. Now, when you take what Dr. Darvish is looking at and you look at the number one relationship between autoimmune diseases, a female to male ratio, Hashimoto's disease is a 10 to 1 10 to 1. And so what we're learning now about this is that autoimmune disease has been cited in the top 10 leading causes of all deaths among U.S. women aged 65 and younger. And it goes on, you know, this information is really coming to the forefront. When we come back, we'll tell you why this is important. Because what, Dr. Darvish, you were talking about before is that we can see a parallel here between autoimmune and Lyme disease, the great imposter. Not that we have any research to connect them, but what we have is a phenomenon. Let's take a short break, everybody. This is Lime Talk Radio. I am Dr. Pat Vasily. And this is Dr. Nusheen Darvish. It's getting exciting now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, you know, what is it we should know about this moving forward? And also, I'd like to share some information from a psychological and psychiatric point of view. What was the research in 95? What are we learning now? What do we need to be Mindful of. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
2: Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all a healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit DrDarvish.com or call 425-451-0404.
1: Put a little woohoo in your life with Keys. Keys Clear Protein Waters have 22 grams of smile-making, attitude-adjusting protein in every bottle. Did I mention its tongue-tingling taste? Not just another guilty pleasure, with keys, you'll enjoy every low sugar sip and freedom from gluten, lactose, and GMOs. Who needs the fountain of youth when you can find keys on Amazon or at Keys K-E-E-S please.com. Put a little woohoo in your attitude with Keys Protein Water. Are you into it? For the month of April, take a picture in your Intuit Apparel and post it on Facebook for all to see, and receive a reading from Lynn Brown on your Facebook page of your prominent aura color and what it means for you. Make sure you tag Lynn Brown or the Are You Into It Facebook page with your photo so Lynn can find you. Visit IntuitApparel.com today and wear your intuition with pride.
3: Hi, I'm Leslie Fontaine with Sheer Alchemy on Transformation Talk Radio, and here's your tip for the day. What is abundance? It isn't the same to all of us. So, what's your personal gold? Is it the full expression of yourself in business, or in love, or in the creation of a book or product? or the service you offer. All of the above. When we step into allowing our joy that corresponds with our essence, we are literally coming out of the closet and making new choices. We look and sound different. We don't even talk about the same things anymore. We have a new spark. So wouldn't it make sense that it causes ripples and earthquakes around us when you shift you affect everyone around you you're teaching people to step into all that they are and they will come to you and say what have you done what makes you different join me on sheer alchemy on transformation talk radio and let's go deep with your abundance
0: everybody welcome back i'm dr pat and this is dr nusheen darvish on lyme radio wow we're very excited to be bringing this to all of you we've got lots planned you know as we move forward as i said earlier you know over the next couple of months you're going to see a community be formed where you're going to be able to contribute share your stories you know one of the things dr darvish and we could talk about this especially when we're talking about autoimmune and lyme One of the things that I think happens with people, and especially if this information that I shared, and by the way, for those of you who want to know where this came from, you can go to uh, www.aarda.org. That's the American Autoimmune Related Disease Association. And they've got statistics. They've got lots of things here, AARD facts, everything. There's even a coalition. So you'll be able to find out more about the autoimmune aspect of disease in this country and beyond. Um, but one of the things we were talking about is the association between some of the diseases out there and how people are getting treated and getting treated with uh, without very good results. You know, one of the things that people say, you know what, I'm still suffering here. And so it'd be great for you to talk a little bit about, you know, what you've seen in terms of people coming through rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, MS um do we have to wait till we're at our wits end to come in and say whatever i've got including cancer is not working for me i need to try something else to save myself you know we've become such a society where we want quick fixes
2: and as a result you know if we've got pain instead of really becoming investigators to look into what is the cause of my pain. We just take a pain med and move on with our lives. I don't have time for pain now. I don't have time to deal with this ache in my leg or my headache or my migraine or my numbness in my feet. I don't have time. I need to run and go to my work and do what I need to do. And so I'll just take what it takes, a quick pill, to take care of it so I can keep going. But unfortunately, after years of taking the quick fix, the underlying process continues and uh, it gives more way for this process to grow and uh, win over the body in many, many ways. And then we end up with pain, for instance, that is no longer manageable by pain medications we end up with migraines that you know are becoming daily and constant and no migraine medication is helping anymore <laughs> we we get tired we are so tired that we can't even lift a finger or get out of bed to do uh, to take a shower or do uh, the dishes or cook for ourselves anymore and it's because there is an underlying process that has not been addressed. And so it's never too late to look to see what that underlying process is. Of course, the sooner, you know, if you have a tiny little headache or hormonal imbalance or PMS or numbness and tingling or blood sugar drops or, um, you know, rashes mm-hmm. or digestive problems gas or bloating or heartburn whatever the symptom may be it's never too late to go and have it and in be investigated by somebody who wants and who desires and who is knowledgeable to look deeper than just the superficial symptoms so this is really, really the the key is what is causing that Hashimoto's or that rheumatoid arthritis or that multiple sclerosis or that migraine. What is actually causing those symptoms? And more and more, we're coming down to recognizing that there are chronic infections, and um, the Lyme bacteria being one of the main ones. Other um, other ones that are becoming more prevalent, like the mycoplasma or babesia, which is parasites parasite um, that lives inside the cells, very similar to HIV, which is a virus that lives inside the white cells. There is um, Bartonella, which is cat scratch disease, and uh, Rocky Mountain disease, and all sorts of different conditions, bacterias and parasites that can cause the immune system to kind of go haywire and not recognize who yeah. the body is and who the bug is and it just attacks everything. And as a result, produces all these symptoms. So if we can find those conditions, those infections, find those nutritional deficiencies, find the toxicity within the body and then um, move forward, yeah. Yeah. then we can find what's going on.
0: Yeah, and, you know, part of this, let's talk about this for a minute. I know we're going to do a lot of shows about this as we move forward. But, you know, I, it was, I, I had a, I did an interview not too long ago, Dr. Darvish, with somebody, the fabulous, fabulous gentleman who's speaking out against Alzheimer's disease, right, and, you know, lives on Cape Cod. And I, and I couldn't help in, in, in listening to him and what his journey's about. I couldn't help but think, all right, we're getting a lot smarter now about Lyme disease, the symptoms of it. You know, what is it called? Lyme brain is something that's referred to. But let's just take a sneak peek for a minute. Uh, and, and, and we're going to be talking about this more as we move forward. But isn't it fascinating in some of the research that's being done now? You know, I know one study where uh, uh, Borrelia was found in 25.3% of Alzheimer's disease cases, Right. And it was 13 times more frequent in AD compared to the control group. 13 times. Do You you know, I'm a statistician. 13 times is a phenomenon. So think about it. The CDC was off by how many? What did they say? We're three times, two times off. This is 13 times more frequent. And yet you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, wha- how come? Well, you and I are talking about this. Lyme is a great imitator. It's associated with all of the things we just talked about and more, you know, rheumatoid arthritis on the rise. And so Lyme fog, right? That's what people talk about. Some of the symptoms start to look like dementia. But this research article that comes out, and I'm going to venture to say there's going to be more research going to this, right? But don't you think now that we're starting to see, okay, wait a minute, shouldn't we take a look? If someone is starting to get symptoms, especially, right, if it's somebody that's 42 years old or early onset of Alzheimer's, I mean, don't you think we should back up and say, wait a minute, let's get a couple more tests. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, I think that, well, definitely we should, but I
2: also think that there's so much fear out there, both from the patients and from the doctors. Uh, doctors really don't know what to do with somebody who has chronic Lyme disease. I mean, let alone acknowledge it. So they ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to treat it. Um, patients are afraid of being diagnosed with Lyme disease because, again, they don't know what to do with it. They don't want to end up with a lifetime suffering and prescription drugs of antibiotics and so forth. So what are the alternatives? Why are we even talking about this, you and I? Because yeah. there are our alternatives, because there is a transformation that can happen within each one of us suffering from Lyme, because there is hope. And so this is why we are really doing this whole radio talk show, is to educate the world out there about Lyme disease, its associated conditions, what diseases are often misdiagnosed as, um, and, and really they are Lyme underneath or an infection underneath. And what are the alternative therapies? Because it's not all about pharmaceuticals. In fact, it's very little about pharmaceuticals and more about the patient. Yeah. And so, you know, people come into my office, they've seen multiple... Uh, physicians, some of them very, very well known um, in the Lyme community. They've been treated multiple years with antibiotics and um, antimicrobial therapies, and they're still sick. They're still suffering, and they're worse than they were when they started the treatments with their doctors. And they come and they say, well, my test didn't show this. My test showed this. And I turn around and I say to them, I don't treat tests, I treat you, (laughs) you know, and they're very thankful because they now realize that there is somebody that actually is treating them versus looking at laboratory tests which are, by the way, supposed to be only confirming what the doctor's intuition and medical uh, understanding of being with the patient is telling them. And these tests are l- less than 70% accurate. Most laboratory tests are at the best, on the average, 70% accurate. So, you know, we are supposed to be treating patients, but we end up treating mm-hmm. the laboratory tests. And then the patient feels that they are being ignored, that they are being told that they are a psych case um, that they are no good, uh, you know that they're worthless, this is the message that the medical community is giving these patients is that your life doesn't count. Go and suffer and die, and that's not that's not the place to be that's not the place to go, and there's so much hope for every one of us and every one of these patients who is suffering with chronic disease whether it is cancer whether it is an autoimmune disease whether it is a neurological disease whether it is lyme disease it doesn't really matter but there whatever the condition is that has been diagnosed there is an underlying or multiple underlying causes that we need to investigate correct these imbalances and allow patients to flourish mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is the bottom line.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk about this and just say this moving forward. We're going to explore this in more detail, but you know, here's what I want to leave you with on, on at least one of the connections that, uh, yeah, that we've discovered is despite, you know, affecting more than 25 million people worldwide, right? Mainstream medicine does not have a clear understanding of Alzheimer's disease. Now, what does that sound like? Well, that fascinating yeah. isn't it? Well doesn't he makes have me laugh. A clear understanding of Alzheimer's doesn't even have a clear understanding of Lyme disease but the difference is they want to understand Alzheimer's. So for us this show is about helping people understand let's want to understand let's want to get a clear understanding of Lyme disease. Let's want to do that because that's really where we are here, right?
2: Exactly. And you know, you make me laugh by making me laugh because I mean, look at the majority of chronic diseases we have in the United States, in North America, worldwide currently. We don't understand any of them. We don't understand cancer. We don't understand where rheumatoid arthritis comes from. We don't understand Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, depression. I mean, we really don't understand any of them. Right? Right. But they're all like a veil. It's a veil that needs to be removed, both from a doctor's perspective. Doctors need to have this veil that is covering their eyes, right. that's making them blind to seeing what is really underneath all of this. And patients also need to have this veil removed so that they, they deal, they look at what mm-hmm. is this condition that they're suffering with really telling them. What is it that it's telling them? What is it that they're needing to learn from? And what is it that they need to clear? Yeah. This is and, really what we need to work on.
0: And, and it's exciting. So here, you know, we are gonna we have a few minutes left. Let me, let me just say this. This is what I'm excited about. You know, we've heard this and you've heard this and we both chuckle about this. You know, you go to a doctor and the doctor says it's all in your head. Well, here we go. Let me just share something with folks. In 1994, because we're taking a look back, it's all in your head. I'm so honored and thrilled to be part of <laughs> to be part of a, a career path where in 1994, you know Dr. Fallon came out, Dr. Niels came out and said Lyme disease: a neuropsychiatric illness." Here's what they say. you ready? And uh-huh. then I want to tell you how long it took after that. Um, but here's what they say. Lyme disease is a multi-systemic illness that can affect the central nervous CNS, right? Causing yes. neurological and psychiatric symptoms. And they go on to talk about the goal of this article. You know, my hat's off to you and there's another article a year earlier. This, the goal of this article, familiarize psychiatrists with the phyroketal illness. So they go on to say that Forty percent now this this is an old article, right? Forty percent of their patients with Lyme disease develop neurological involvement of either peripheral or central nervous system. Dissemination of the CNS can occur within a few weeks after the skin infection. They refer they compare it to syphilis. They talk about Lyme disease. This is a psychiatric article, Doctor Darvish. It's in the American Journal of Psychiatry. That is a big journal. And they go on to say, Lyme disease may have a latency period of months to years before symptoms of late infection emerge. Early signs include meningitis. I'm telling you, we could do a whole show on this article that goes back over 20 years. And so here's the punchline and the conclusion. You're right. Ready? Psychiatrists who work with endemic areas need to include Lyme disease in the differential diagnosis of any atypical psychiatric disorder further research is needed to identify better laboratory results to so for example dr darvish and, and you know we're going to do a show on this but here's what i love about this what do they say I, i'm going to get back to what do we say about people that have alzheimer's oh they have mood swings oh my gosh there's something all of a sudden psychological that goes wrong with them you know all of a sudden you know mom is okay and then she's mean And so here's an article back in 1994 in the American Journal of Psychiatry. This is a big-time, big-time journal, right? What do you make of that, Dr. Darvish? (laughs) 1993. You know, I agree.
2: Lyme is in your head. I do. And the reason I say that is because we're finding Lyme bacteria sitting in the jawbone, sitting in the brain and causing all sorts of fun symptoms for patients. I mean, not, not fun, I'm being you know, mm-hmm. sarcastic, mm-hmm. but Lyme is truly in the head and uh, I am glad that we are doing what we're doing right now because we we do need to make people more aware and help them realize that when you, they do go to doctors and the doctors tell them the Lyme is in their head, they're not realizing that literally it is in their brain right that it is really, literally causing these psychiatric symptoms right you right. know so I'm excited to be doing this show with you because I'm we excited. have so much we I have know. so much to talk about. We have so much to learn and we have so much to share and we have so much to transform. I mean the world is hungry for this. people suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases it's time. It is time for them to transform. I mean enough is enough. Really, enough well, is enough.
0: It is. And we I'm you know I I'm telling you I'm so excited to be talking about this because you know there are some 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 of this information we're going to share nobody is talking about. You know, unless you <laughs> unless you subscribe, okay, to you know the uh that this particular journal or other uh, other journals or, or if if you happen to stumble across an article in Dutch that talks about this way back. Um you're not going to know about it. But what Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. Uh, we, You know, Dr. Darvish, tell folks how folks can find out more about you. And thanks. What a great show. Thank you so much, Dr.
2: Pat, for giving us this opportunity to share and learn and uh, become much greater souls in this world. Uh, you're more than welcome to contact our website, um, www.drdarvish.com, that's d-r-d-a-r-v-i-s-h.com or send an email to info at drdarvish.com. We'll be more than happy to uh, consult and discuss your concerns and help you transform in your life.
0: And for those of you who have missed any part of this and want to stay plugged into what we're doing here, please go to limetalkradio.com. Or you can go to limelies.com, or you could go to DrDarvish.com and stay tuned. You know, we plan to connect you with a lot of information about what is being talked about in the mainstream and what the new mainstream of Lyme disease awareness and cure is all about. We'll see you next time.